Blog Talk Radio. You want to reply the point? Okay. Mr. Vavrinka wants to reply the point. 15 on. Good evening and welcome to Replay the Point. Today is Tuesday, February 28th, 2017. Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen, joined by Karen Health of Tennis View Magazine. Good evening, Karen. Hi, Pete. Great to be back. Hi, hi. And uh, we are uh, saying goodbye to the month of February. A ton of action on both the WTA and ATP tours. Karen, a lot of action, a lot of people on the sidelines. We're going to get to uh, both of those topics here in a second, but we're going to lead off with the WTA with none other than Karolina Pliskova, 14-2 and two so far to start off 2017 and two titles, although she did lose her very first match in Dubai to Mladenovic. Your thoughts so far on Pliskova's 2017? Well, we've got an update. She's actually 15-2 and two as of today. <laughs> Um, you know, she really, you know, she took off in 2016, and she just continues to be a solid player. Uh, she got the title, you know, against Kerber in Cincinnati, and you know, she's been um, solidly in that in that number three position, and she continues to lock it in. May be be able to challenge Kerber, you know, who's obviously not having the best season so far. Um, the other thing to think about, she's she's a notable in doubles. She's also ranked number two right now, and she leads the tour both last year and this year, number one in aces. So, you know, she's got a, got a lot of good stats on her side. Yeah, one of those matches she won at the Australian Open, she hit 19, which is uh, which is a lot for anyone, uh, woman or man, especially on the WTA tour. But yeah, that was those are a ton of free points, and uh, you know she was sort of a fashionable pick uh, by some to win the Australian Open. I wasn't so sure about that one. Uh, I think she'll eventually get her her majors, if you will. Um, do you think uh, Do you think she can reach number one in the world this year? I don't know if she'll get to number one this year just because I think Serena is going to continue to be a very strong performer and she's, I think, able to manage her schedule very well so she doesn't have a lot of points to defend and and have to play a lot of matches. So, you know, I think that's going to be tough. I don't think it means Carolina is not capable of it. I just think when you look at the math, it's a challenge. Um, Right. You know, uh, but then again, you know, you you never know how things are going to play out. And, uh, you know, Serena's got to stay healthy. We'll see where Kerber is if she's able to kind of, you know, turn things around at this point and you know, start performing where, let's face it, where the expectations are. And uh, right now, you know, she hasn't been able to come through with that. Um, the other thing with Carolina, if you think about, she's had the Fed Cup win as well, and Fed Cup and or Davis Cup for the guys has just been a great launching pad for a lot of players to s- sort of find that extra level of motivation and sort of, you know, light that desire for more. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that also has helped to be a catalyst with her. I agree, and uh, 
part of a very formidable Czech Republic team on the Fed Cup squad, and that can do nothing but pay dividends for that type of experience. And, and again, that taste of winning can really parlay itself. Good point, uh, especially on the men's side as well, for those guys who've been able to enjoy that success. And we've seen that with no, not only Djokovic, but also Murray really, really going, charging forward after getting those wins. And Karen, before one can get to number one in the world, they first have to reach the top ten, and that is exactly what Elena Svitolina of Ukraine did this week, uh, reached number ten in the world, uh, only dropped one set in Dubai, and became the 120th player on the WTA Tour to reach top ten in the world since those rankings came into play of November of 75. I've had the pleasure of watching Svitolina really grow quite a bit in the last three years. I uh, saw her play every year there in Cincinnati and liked what I saw, and uh, she's finally, you know, that, that's a milestone reaching the top ten. Absolutely, and I agree with you. She's really been on the rise, especially the last two years, 15 and 16. Also got to see her play in Cincinnati as well as at Indian Wells. And she's, you know, she's a tough competitor. She's a counterpuncher. Uh, she chases a lot of things down. She she moves well. So I, you know, I see both her and Carolina really this year as of the younger generations, the ones that are really going to make make a press. Um, I I don't want to leave out of there Kanta, but right now she is showing up on an injured list on the WTA site. So not not really sure where she stands. Um, also with Svitolina, you know, she's beaten Kerber twice and also had, an, had a good Fed Cup run for her own matches. So, uh, you know, a lot of growth there, as you mentioned. And one thing that I noted is between 2016 and 17 at this point, she's had semis and finals against Kvitova, Kuznetsova, Radwanska, and Serena. So also picking up a great amount of experience of big matches, big stages, a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of training ground just always translates into a level of growth that a player needs to get to that top spot. Completely agree. Nice uh, points there about beating Angie Kerber twice already. We're just uh, getting through the second month of 2017. And speaking of Angie Kerber, Karen, you know, the former number one player in the world, uh, had a chance to get back to number one this weekend, uh, this last weekend, had she won the tournament and um, came up short, obviously losing to Svitolina in the semifinals. But not a really good start to 2017 for Angie Kerber. Uh, Again, all credit in the world to her for scaling the mountain. Uh, Had a great 16, got to number one in the world. But, wow, uh, this is somewhat of a letdown. I, I don't think I think some people are not too surprised. I, I am mildly surprised. I mean, she's got what it takes to play solid tennis. We just haven't we've seen very little of it this year. I agree. Um, you know, I looked at Kerber and, and I wanted to take a look at some of her prior years leading up to that number one ranking. So yeah, at this point she has not had any title wins since the US Open, which just does seem shocking considering, you know, what she was able to accomplish. When I look back, she played 24 events in 2016, including Fed Cup and the Olympics, versus, I'll mention, Serena playing eight. Mm. In 2015, she played 27 events and set herself up for a lot of points to defend as well. So when I looked at that and thought, okay, you know, you, you, you look at a, a year that has 52 weeks, some of these events are two weeks long. 
um, did she run herself ragged? And is she kind of paying a price for that now? And also possibly kind of creating, you mentioned a mountain that she has to continue to climb in order to maintain that status and maintain that ranking. Uh, Obviously, she's a player with a lot of great weapons and skills. One of the things that we really saw with her is making great strides in her level of fitness, almost transforming herself, and that translated into a lot of success, but also a game where she runs down a lot of balls. And to play that many events with that kind of strategy or that kind of effort is a lot to ask. Sure. I agree. And, you know, she had a bad patch in her career, uh, I say bad, uh, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek. She, I, I'm talking about losing, I believe, seven of eight finals that she was in. Obviously, you're doing the right thing if you're getting to a WTA final pretty regularly, and that was over about a course of a year and a half. But she's she had some very questionable losses to, to opponents she really probably should have beaten and didn't get the job done there. And then, you know, started winning again and, and putting herself in position to play finals and win them. Obviously, winning so much, she got to number one in the world. So I think she's going to go back mentally, if you will, know that she's been through some difficult patches in her career. She knew how to rebound from that. And I agree with you. I I don't necessarily think it's poor tennis. Uh, it, well, it, it could be poor tennis as, as as she's expected to play and as we're expecting her to play, but I, I agree. I think her tongue has been on the ground given uh, what all the tennis that she played last year. It's only it's only human nature, if you will. So we shall see. It's a long tennis season and uh, hope that she's able to pace herself and correct her game. And someone who has corrected their game, Karen, how about Caroline Wozniacki? Uh, she has, uh, she's been reached, she's reached the semifinals and a final, her last couple of tournaments. Um, nice story, nice rebound for her, given uh, you know the fact that almost about a year ago people were really questioning her, and even going back to saying, well, she's never really been the same after running that marathon. I and mean, what the heck did she do to her body there that uh, you know maybe did too much there, where it didn't really translate in the tennis court? Obviously, two-time world year-end number one player knows how to get the job done. Uh, nice to see her coming back. I agree. You know, Caroline's always been a favorite in the crowd, and and I just think in terms of personality on tour and someone who has been historically a fighter out there, you know, she has that following. I looked at uh, her rankings again, and she was year in number seventeen in two thousand fifteen, nineteen in two thousand sixteen. She's currently sitting at number fourteen as of this week. So, you know, some nice strides to get ever closer to that top 10 spot that I'm sure she you know, has as a goal. She has had intermittent leg issues, and I agree that maybe that marathon, you know, while it was a great achievement and a great goal, might not have served her well in terms of supporting her tennis career and her best performance. We've seen her arrive on court many times, including this last week, with her leg heavily strapped with tape. Mm-hmm. So I am wondering if she's got some kind of ongoing thing that she's trying to manage there and you know, hope that that won't continue to be disruptive. Yeah, good call. I like that. Uh, it, the taping is always something that uh, jumps out at us, and you know, sometimes we see that even on a practice court somewhere, and you always wonder what that means. Is that precautionary? Is that uh, just really putting someone together so they can take the court? And I, I've seen it both ways, where I've seen some 
someone excel on the court and play and reach finals and win tournaments. And then I've seen somebody warming up that day, heavily taped Vika. I remember, I believe in Cincy and didn't even answer the bell on, uh, for her next match. So remains to be seen. Obviously no one's going to tape themselves unless something is going on. And Karen, before we uh, switch gears from the WTA to the ATP, anything, uh, anyone else that you'd like to make mention of uh, perhaps uh, who's sitting outside the top 20 and really making noise on, on the WTA tour going up the rankings? Well, one more quick note on Caroline. Uh, she did engage Sasha, big Sasha, as he's often been referred to, uh, which is Serena Williams' former hitting partner. And she has mentioned that he's not just a hitting partner, that he is actually officially alongside her dad as an assistant coach. So you know, that'll be interesting to see what he's able to do in terms of shaping her game, perhaps you know, making her return game even better, which is her biggest strength. But I'm also wondering with the up-and-coming players, you know, we saw Caroline just fall short on two finals, pretty close, but they were against, you know, younger players who were up-and-coming, and I'm wondering if she's going to have to grow her, her game before, beyond the return game to be able to really achieve that top-10 ranking again. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, good call. Uh, anything else from the WTA uh, before we move on to the ATP? Well, you know, let's let's call him kind of a wild card. We've got Daria Katsakina. Uh, she turned pro back in 2014. She's ranked 35 right now, and she's only 19 years old. Uh, we know, you know, the last 30 are going to be a harder move, <clears throat> but she went from 370 in 2014 to 72. Oh, excuse me. I'm um, um, Backing this up wrong. Um, and she went all the way to 27 in 2015. So, you know, she's made some great movements through the rankings. She actually has a head-to-head winner record against Kerber. And she's another one that I see building experience. She, between 2016 and 2017, has played Madison Keys, Serena Williams, Pliskova, Svitolina, Kerber twice with two wins, Vika, Venus Williams, Simona Halep, Belinda Bencic, Kanta, Garbina, and Timmy Abyshinsky, who has also been <laughs> up and coming. So that's, again, a heck of a, a, a training ground. And for a young player to get all those opportunities to play people that are you know, more established, well-known, have even a better following, uh, you know, more fan support, and certainly a bigger game can only be beneficial. So I'm excited to, to follow her this year and see what happens. That's uh, quite a list of notable superstar players that you mentioned there uh, on the other side of the net for Kasekina. And obviously you're getting deep in the draws once you run into those names, Karen. Uh, that That's pretty substantial. And as you mentioned, with Svitolina being able to play high-caliber, high-quality players uh, you know, deep in tournaments, that is going to pay dividends as it did for Svitolina, as it will for Kasekina as well. And so we're going to stay in the winner's circle, Karen, shifting over to the ATP and someone who, um, again, this seems to be the theme of the night tonight, uh, people playing way, seemingly way too much tennis the last uh, year or part of the year. Uh, Dominic Team falls smack dab in that category on the ATP side. That said, on Sunday he did win uh, an ATP 500 in Rio de Janeiro, Nice to see him get back in the winner's circle. He's uh, really crashed out early in tournaments, uh, much earlier than expected uh, the back end of last year, but seems to have corrected course and uh, be exciting to to see him play. I, I've really liked 
how he's improved on the hard courts the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I love watching team. He's got a great game. You can see that he's, you know, progressing and, and going deeper in his level of play. He also demonstrates, you know, cool under fire out there. So I think he has that mentality to really, you know, well, obviously he is a top player, uh, but to continue to progress in the game. He's currently ranked number nine, but he's been inside the top ten since June of 2016. So, you know, he's he's been in there for quite a while. And then at age 23, when we look at the guys and we talk about, you know, you kind of have to start doing something by the time you're X years old. I think that, you know, 23, 24-year-old age range is kind of what people seem to to look at and say, well, you know, if you haven't made your move by then, it might not happen. So he seems to be kind of on track and peaking at the right time. I, I, yeah, I, I I agree with you about loving to watch him play tennis. I, I appreciate what he's able to do. He's, he's a gamer, obviously crafted his game on clay, and, and uh, again, had some struggles on the hard courts, but has really been able to find his way, and, and I agree. He's, I think he's here to stay. Uh, I'm, uh, I actually see him winning Roland Garros a time or two. Um, not sure about anywhere else, but I like his chances there. And uh, obviously, once we get through any wells in Miami, Karen, it's his time of the year uh, to shine on the ATP Masters 1000s and at Roland Garros. Someone uh, who, again, staying in the winner's circle again on the ATP circle, uh, nine, to- nine wins in a row right now for Joe Wilfred Sanga, one again, um, collected a 500 uh, two weeks ago and, uh, in Rotterdam and now uh, in his home country in France. Nine match wins in a row, Joe Wilfred Sanga. Um, we can look at this two ways. You know, it's nice to see Sanga winning at the same point in time. But, you know, why hasn't he been able to do this more regularly in his career? He certainly has the talent, but um, seems to be bitten by the injury bug at very inopportune times. That said, nice to see Joe and doing his little dance at the conclusion of matches and hoisting <laughs> some hardware. Congrats, Joe Wilfred Sanga. Yeah, very happy for Joe as well, and love to see him dancing on court as well. And he is the big mover on tour this week. He moved up five spots to number seven, and that is his highest ranking since May. Um, as you, you mentioned, you know, he's two titles in nine weeks, which is pretty impressive. But when I did take a look at his title history, and this might give a clue maybe to some of the question you mentioned, he's got 14 titles. However, 10 of them are indoor hard court, and the other four are outdoor hard court. So, you know, brings into question surface, ability to adjust to conditions. You know, we know indoor is a vastly different game than playing outside. You know, so that'll be interesting to watch and see if he's able to produce on other surfaces and, and again, on conditions that aren't indoor-related. I agree, and I, I believe his his finals record is fourteen and eleven. I think, which uh, you you look at somebody like Sanga, you would think once he get you know if he's able to get to a final, you think he's got a pretty darn good chance of winning those. So his his head to head surprised me a little bit in finals. That said, uh, you know two titles in 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 the last couple of weeks, and so we'll see. I mean, it's it's coming up uh, on the uh, faster North American hard courts, as you mentioned, different than the indoor, but. Uh, Joe Wilfred Sanga with some good momentum. Looking forward to seeing him play here at Indian Wells in just a little bit. And uh, once again, an, another winner, Karen, American Jack Sock, um, collected his second title of 2017, third 
of his career. Unfortunately, the Delray Beach final was not played. Uh, Milos Raonic defeated Juan Martín Del Potro in the semifinals, could not answer the bell. In the final, Jack Sock awarded the trophy. Uh, good, nice hard work for Sock during the week, but that's really not the way anybody, let alone a tournament director, wants to see the event end. Yeah, nobody wants that outcome. But again, I think it's important to remember that you know, winning is a journey. You know, anyone almost can win the occasional match, but when you put together a string of wins, that's what you need to get the title. And you know, Sock got himself there. Unfortunate outcome, but you know, with this win, with this title, and a win is a win. He is now at number number 18, which is his career high, and he's also another one that I believe is in that peaking at the right time. We're seeing his game continue to grow, and you know, honing the skills, playing some different tactics. He's also, as we know, a doubles player, so he gets that training ground and experience being out on the doubles court. And you know, you referred to um, last. Last time we spoke about, you know, playing a final in Cincinnati. So, getting big moment pressure, big moment match play through both sides, not just the singles um, foray. So, I just see a lot of progress in his court. And I will also say that he gets what I also like to call sort of the gratitude effect. You know, we see some of these players that either have experienced either personal hardship themselves or perhaps have experienced it through a friend or family member. And he had that incident a couple of years ago with his brother being really critically ill and recovering. And I think out of that, you know, it, it sort of changed him. And I think that was a, a place where you, you started to see some differences in his game, maybe because of having a better perspective about, about life, you know, keeping things balanced and, and that sort of thing. I agree. It reminds me of uh, when James Blake was sidelined for about a year. You know, spent time with his dad. He he was uh, he got a chance to spend time with his dad when he himself was on the shelf with an injury, and it worked out well for him. He got a chance to see his dad really as his dad uh, was was dying, if you will. But you know, one thing that Blake said is you know he really appreciated what it meant to be a tennis player, a pro tennis player, and. Uh, really missed life on tour you know sometimes this seemingly can be a, a drag for these guys uh, uh, and gals for that matter traveling the world they're they're exhausted as we've talked about some of the players here already but once when you're on the shelf because you can't play because your body won't let you it, it takes on a whole different meaning or as you mentioned in the case of sock uh, if, if it's somebody close to you who is not able to function in one way, shape, or form. You you look at what you have and what you have going on, and 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 again, you you don't take anything for granted at that point. So uh, you mentioned that, and uh, I, I really like that perspective for Jack Sock. He he might be looking at things from different dimensions at this point as as a professional tennis player, and that could be paying dividends. And uh, another American, Karen, who seemingly has been around forever and uh i really <laughs> thought he had the tools to uh to do some nice things we finally saw him in the winner's circle in memphis ryan harrison uh the week before he won the dallas challenger did not drop a set won memphis did not drop a set had 20 consecutive sets he did lose in qualifying in alcapulco but a long long journey for ryan harrison before he finally claimed his first atp tour he broke down in the trophy ceremony uh thanking his parents right and left as as well he should but um a long tough slide for him and he's i believe at a career high right now as well so be nice to see what he might be able to do going forward with with the monkey off his back per se 
Yes, Ryan has had a long haul, and I believe he's been around since about 2007. He's 25 now, so, you know, still in a great age range to, you know, do great things on tour if he's able to continue and progress from what he was able to accomplish this week. Uh, And he has had a stroke of good luck, which is the unfortunate luck of Gilles Simone, but Simone has withdrawn from Indian Wells, said due to personal reasons. So... Out of that, Ryan has now received entry into the main draw at Indian Wells. So, you know, one of my favorite moments from Indian Wells was watching him play Marty Fish. And there was a moment where literally there was a fish in the net. Marty had come to net, stumbled, and literally kind of landed upside down in the net. Ryan came to net, put him upright. They hugged at the net and then walked back to the baseline and continued playing. So one of my favorite (laughs) moments in tennis for sure. Uh, So, you know, let's see. We'll see what Ryan can do in the next couple of weeks, and I will be out at Indian Wells to see it live. So I'll, I'll uh, give you my insights. I'll look forward to that, and, and nice to nice that he's got uh, he's you know he's at that point where he was on the cusp, but now he is in into the main draw. Without the sake of a wild card, uh, probably go to someone else now. Uh, he may have gotten it anyway, but nice to, that he is in the main draw on his own, if you will. Uh, thank you, Gilles Simone, for that, and. Um, uh, along those lines, Karen, anything else, uh, any outliers, if you will, uh, guys on the ATP Tour that might not get as much notoriety uh, as they should who are who are making some leaps and bounds? Well, one I noticed, there's lots, but one of them that I noticed was Pablo Cuevas of Argentina. He is currently also in that 30 ranking. He's number 33. He's been as high as number 19, though, back in August of 2016. And he's been top 30 or better, well, okay, that same range, top 30 or better since June of 2016. Uh, He's got five career titles already, and he is a one-handed backhander. So, you know, maybe there's a resurgence for for some of that. You know, for a while it looked like the the period of guys with two-handed backhands were going to dominate and rule. Um, You know, he, in Sydney, made it to the quarterfinals this year. He lost to Mueller, uh, and then he made it to Buenos Aires round of 16, losing to Dugopolov. So, you know, some some good results already this year, and, uh, again, looking at at some potential. and, And in that area of kind of age and ranking and starting to see some results where he could really take off. So we'll have to keep yeah, an eye on that. Yeah, and it's it's coming into his uh, one correction. He's actually from Uruguay, Karen. But um, ah. uh, actually, yeah, he I believe he was he's been seated as high as 27 in majors, and obviously, you know, doing a bit of damage on on the on the clay court, winning a lot. Uh, he's had some really nice results the last couple of years, but uh, you know. Yeah, he can play tennis. I, I enjoy watching him play, and obviously once we get through the month of March, it will be his time to shine. But uh, I, I like what you said about him, and uh, I've had my eye on, on Pablo Cuevas for a while. A lot of people say, you know, what is this guy doing? He's made all his points on, on the clay. How is How in the heck is he seated at a, uh, a major on a hard court? Well, you know, Wimbledon's the only tournament that, that reseeds, so he's earned his seed there and uh, look forward to him uh, progressing on the ATP Tour. And, uh, Karen, you mentioned you're going to be at Indian Wells, covering Indian Wells. That is fantastic. And one thing I do want to ask you about, uh, you being a Nadal fan, I I can't quite understand the Rafael Nadal-Bernie Tomic doubles partnership. Uh, We've seen Nadal do 
very good things at Indy Wells, usually partnering with Mark Lopez there, winning. Uh, he's partnered, I believe, with Verdasco as well. This one didn't come out of left field. This one sort of fell from outer space. I can't make <laughs> heads or tails or any sense of this. Can, can you? I, you know, I really don't know. Uh, I had the exact same thought that, hmm, you know, this is an odd pairing. Um <laughs> You know, I don't know. Maybe this will be a situation where they'll kind of, like we talked about with Martina, be some rub-offs, you know, that that yeah. there might be something there. I really have to think about their games and that combination of what that would bring to, to a doubles match. Uh, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, I haven't, haven't had the time to really sit back and, and noodle it over with a lot of detail. Uh, but, yeah, it strikes me as odd a bit unusual, but, you know, maybe he's also looking to, you know, maybe be a mentor to some of the younger players. You know, we've talked about maybe Kyrgios needing something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, You know, Bernie's had some opportunities. We know that. And, you know, let's hope that this can be a positive experience for him, for both of them. So I'll be at those Um, matches and I will be, (laughs) I'll be watching it live to, to see what transpires. Sure, and, and, you know, not since his very first year uh, on the ATP Tour did Nadal go back and play the Latin America swing, which he's done the last few years, and, and he's he's quite enjoyed his time there. And, you know, Dubai is going on concurrent with Acapulco right now, and yet we see Novak Djokovic playing in Acapulco for the very first time, and it kind of brings me back to even Federer playing that clay court tournament, that 250 in Portugal, and then even, you know, helping the tournament in Turkey get off the ground. But um, this is uh, this is different for Djokovic. He's always played uh, Dubai, um, obviously a lot of money to be one there, probably a big appearance fee as well. But it makes me wonder that, you know, when guys get, uh, guys and ladies get deeper in their career, maybe they want to go on a tangent and go experience a different tournament that they haven't played for a while. You know, Djokovic isn't especially well-liked around the world. I, I, you know, Rome, uh, the ATP Masters 1000 in Rome, he is beloved there. And I saw some clips where, you know, the, the, the Mexican crowd in Acapulco is just giving him all kinds of love, and uh, that'll probably pay dividends for Djokovic. He's going to appreciate that. But um, were you surprised that Novak Djokovic is playing in Acapulco this week? Uh, I don't believe he was scheduled to play Dubai this time. Uh, no, and Novak got the wild card, and you know it was definitely kind of a last-minute thing. Now, it did look like back when he was playing Davis Cup, he was having some shoulder issues he definitely was receiving some treatment so I did wonder about that in terms of what his condition is and maybe that can contributed to a late entry somewhere but you know if you also look at Roger and Stan and Andy are in Dubai so if we're going to split up and share the wealth of what I now like to call the big five uh, you know kind of the obvious answer is let's have Novak down in Acapulco and if you've as you mentioned, played a lot of different events. You want to go to a different place and possibly even have an opportunity to say, yep, I got that title too, you know. So they're sort of building their arsenal. And after a while, you know, if you've won four or five of one particular event, but there's one you've never played and you don't have that title, why not go after it? It sort of rounds out your record. So I thought about that. And then also, you know, proximity to Indian Wells. Mexico's I right. would say geographically, maybe a, a better play if you're going to be playing uh, in the desert of California in, in just a little while. So in terms of jet lag and adjustments, it may be the smart choice. We'll see how that plays sure. out for him. And he just won his 
first round match this evening ended uh, taking the tie break, so he he's off to a good start. Yeah, I think he might get Delpo in the second round too, uh, and possibly Kyrgios in the third if if the if the draw holds out. So that could be some good match play for Novak Djokovic going forward. And I'll just go back to something you said. Uh, when you said the big five, I, I like that, Karen. Um, Stan deserves to be mentioned with those other guys. Three majors, just a Wimbledon away from a career Grand Slam. Um, kind of doubtful, I think, uh, Stan on grass, but at the same point in time, uh, he's proven a lot of people wrong. He surprised a lot of people. He's won big-time matches in, in majors. Um, that said, he did lose to Duesmer, uh first, first round uh, uh, this week, but uh, that's Stan as well. And, and as we've seen Stan progress, the deeper he gets in the tournament, the better he plays, especially in majors. And uh, he'll just shrug this one off and get ready for Indian Wells. So, uh, anything else on the ATP tour or anything from the WTA before we wrap up tonight, Karen? Well, I found something interesting on the W. Uh, excuse me, on the ATP site. Uh, it's called the Under Pressure Leaders, and it's a a ranking based on breakpoints converted, breakpoints saved, tiebreaks won, and then deciding sets won. So uh, I'll give you a guess on who you think is at the top of that list. Uh, the, the, and which category? I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of a combined rating of percentage of breakpoints converted, breakpoints saved, tiebreaks won, and deciding sets won. Wow. Um I'm I'm stumped. I that's a that's a lot of categories right there. Yeah, it it, it well it, it plays out very well because number one is Andy Murray, number two is Novak. However, number three in this list is Juan Martín del Potro, uh, and the margin between Andy and Novak is barely a, a percentage point. So you know, okay. makes sense to be neck and neck there. But I, I, check it out. It's an interesting link on there, and and they've got it listed all the way down through some other notables in this list are Kanish Corey, Luca Pui, which again Ooh. I think he's another one with a lot of promise this year. Milos, of course, which uh, seriously hoping his <laughs> hamstring is not going to be a big issue for him. Wow, he's he's come a long way, but the injuries seem to be cropping up. And for a big guy, that well, it's tough for anybody, but it seems like the big men sometimes have more problems. Uh, and right. then Sangha. Sangha's in this list at number nine. So these are some <laughs> important stats and an, and an interesting metric that they're tracking here. So uh tells the story that, that we've been speaking to in terms of results. No, I appreciate that that info. I will check that out. And you know, obviously now looking back when you gave away the top two of uh, Murray and Djokovic, that does make all the sense in the world with breakpoint conversions. Murray, you know, holding a ton of times really uh, the back end of last year as well. We all know uh, what a good defensive player he is, and Novak knows how to k- take care of business. But some of those other names were a bit surprising, but uh, – Interesting stat collections, and and that's how people are able to progress up the rankings. Absolutely, thank you for sharing that, Karen. Sure. Sure. And uh, anything else before we call it a night? Oh, there's always a lot more to talk about, but I think we'll have to <laughs> save it till next time. So, look forward to bringing you some some pretty live and fresh insights from Indian Wells, and I'm so excited to be out there in in about a week and a half. So. Absolutely, and uh, we are right on the doorstep of uh, Indian Wells, the um, and and Miami, the uh, 
March Madness on the tennis courts. And so, uh, Karen, you enjoy yourself uh, at Indian Wells being out there for nine or ten days this time around. And so, on behalf of Karen Health, this is Pete Zebron saying good night. We'll catch you next time on Replay the Point. Good night. Mm-hmm.